0: I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers, bringing you a special Top 10 Horror Vacation episode. That's right. So uh, it's June. We're going to be talking about a beach movie
1: next week. And it's the prime time for people to be planning or already
0: going on vacations. This is the time of year that people tend to go to COVID-infested beaches.
1: And that's the thing. So this year, people may not be going on a lot of vacations. And you may be really sad about that. But the Film Flamers are going to give you 10 reasons reasons why you shouldn't be so upset about not being able to go on vacation because sometimes they can end up like these movies. Yes. I mean maybe not in real life, but I mean who the hell knows?
0: You might take a wrong turn and end up in some weird ruins or <laughs> in shark infested waters or covid infested beaches or Encounter counter racism at every turn.
1: I can say for at least one of the movies on my top 10 list, this happened in real life. So, I mean, horrors abound when it comes time for vacation. So hopefully when you listen to this top 10, you'll go and revisit some of these movies
0: and not feel so bad about being in your living room. And this time around, this is Robert's definitive top 10 horror vacations list. I'm taking a little bit of a backseat here and I'll be making some you know snide comments along the way, but I'll also be giving you my special mentions afterwards
1: well with that being said let's start my list
0: number 10 on my favorite vacation horror
1: list is the movie open water from 2003 directed by chris
0: kentis have you seen this movie you know i remember seeing the trailer it reminds me of that one movie that you told me to watch recently about the uh harpoon oh i love harpoon Harpoon. yeah (laughs) well that's more of a getaway and, and less of a vacation right
1: But in open water, we have a married couple who are taking a quick vacation to some sort of Caribbean locale, and they go on a scuba diving trip, and they are left behind by the boat in shark-infested waters. Mm -hmm. So when I was talking about movies that were based on real-life events, this is the one – Right. So in actual real life, a couple went on a scuba diving trip and due to a, you know, a bad head count were left behind. And whenever they surfaced, the boat was already gone. They were left in the water and they were never found, uh, you know, presumed to be dead. The movie itself takes a lot of like, you know, liberties with the story and becomes pretty horrific when like, you know, um, like sharks are starting to bite at them they're starting to get dehydrated and I mean I like this movie a lot because it has a lot of like drama to it and like the couple starts real lovey-dovey they have a fight in the middle and sort of like reconvene because they need each other in this bad situation and it's just like a, a really good very scary movie to me yeah I remember
0: the trailer and it does give you a real sense of like agoraphobia because they kind of lift their heads out of the water they look around and there's just nothing yeah for you know in all directions for as far as the eye can see and it's just they're just stuck there you know, and, in the open water. And there
1: are some movie there there are some moments in this movie where they look across the water and they can see boats in the distance but obviously there's no landmarks to tell like how far away or how close these boats are to them and they're signaling and just trying to get rescued and they just can't and like it's just a really horrifying movie and I totally mm-hmm. recommend people watch this and for I've never been scuba diving. In fact, I I've, I've been snorkeling like one time. I just don't like to be in the open ocean like that too far away from land and this movie really like played on those fears that I already have so yeah Uh, my number nine movie is a pretty recent one and it's Midsummer from 2019 directed by Ari Aster Um, I like this movie a lot because it like really doesn't play up the vacation aspect of it too much, but these people are on vacation. They traveled from America to Scandinavia to, to witness the events that unfold in Midsummer. you know, in this, like every 100 years festival, these people put on. Well, we, we both loved this movie. (laughs) Yes, very much. And in fact, I loved it so much that I would have put it higher on this list, but the movies that are going to come up after this are Older. I've seen them more times and I think upon more viewings I'd put midsummer maybe higher on this vacation horror list.
0: Yeah. That was gonna be my, my main question here. Out of everything on your list, um that will that shall be revealed. I would think that Midsummer, as far as its like quality and how we rated it, would have been much, much higher compared to how you would have rated some of the other things on this list. Well, I think in, in answer to that, like I, some of my
1: choices moving forward are a little bit more vacation heavy. Like the story revolves around them being on a certain trip, right? Mm-hmm. And Midsummer. Once they get to their destination, it's not really about the travel that brought them there. It's about the events that happen in that particular place. And I think that the movie itself has a lot to do with grief and loss and understanding your current situation. And less about being amongst, you know, people on vacation. Because they they really do start to intermingle with this group a lot. And it's really not about the travel to that place. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a little bit muddled there. I mean, you could say almost... In almost any of these, the fact that it's a vacation or away from home is almost incidental. But here, Midsummer is much more about the experience uh, rather than like, oh, we should, we took a wrong turn or we should have, you know, we never should have come or something else. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot about discovery, which is interesting. So,
1: yeah, I agree. But I mean, I, We both like that movie. We've done a hot take on it. So go back and check out that episode. And, um, you know, I think this is a movie that we're going to be talking about sometime in the future. Most definitely. What's your number eight? So my number eight movie is Frozen from 2010, directed by Adam Green.
0: And this is the one that I showed you, right?
1: Right. So yeah. this is a movie that I had wanted to see, and for whatever reason, didn't. And you had been talking about it for years before we actually sat down and watched it together. I think, yeah,
0: and, right. and not necessarily because it's so good, but be, just because it's so simple. And because the first time I watched it, it I you know, I was so tense. It's such a tense movie, and it's still tense when I watch it today, even though it's not one of the best movies I've ever seen.
1: No, but it's you're right. It's very tense. It's very Scary. And um, so it's about a group of friends who have traveled to go skiing. And, you know, right before the park closes, they want to get one last ski in. So they get a ticket to ride the lift. And um, everything shuts down and they're stuck on the lift in the middle of the night in the cold, you know, above yeah. hungry wolves and things. <laughs> and like, it, it really is the kind of movie that you don't want to take a lot of breaks in because like things you know happen quickly and and sort of build on top of each other and it just really creates this really tense atmosphere and it's far more than the wolves below or just being alone in the cold right we start to realize that they're being frostbitten and you know they all have their own like interpersonal demons they're working through together while they're on this lift and it's just a really well made well written well acted horror movie that I think, I mean, if you really thought about putting yourself in that situation on vacation is like just terrifying. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching it and I enjoyed watching it with you because I know that you enjoyed it. So that's
0: good. Very much.
1: So my next movie uh, was higher on my list and I had to do a little reordering and it is the ruins from 2008 directed by Carter Smith. Okay. And this movie definitely is a vacation movie. So, we have a group of like college students who I've gone on vacation in Mexico and they get a chance to go visit um, some ruins that are not like, you know, part of the tourist area. Yeah. Some
0: Aztec or Mayan
1: ruins. Mm -hmm. And when they get there, they are confronted by a group of locals, natives, and they are trapped on top of these ruins and they start to realize that the ruins are covered in these vines that are you know, out for blood. They want to to eat them. <laughs> and, you know, the movie takes some
0: some strange turns, but I I like the movie. Yeah. If you let yourself buy into it, like and just go along for the ride, it is terrifying. Especially some of those wacky hijinks that those plants get up to. And even more so in the book. I mean, like we don't talk about like
1: horror literature a lot and ugh, I kind of like don't want to call it literature. Horror books or novels, <laughs> right? But I mean like The 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 novel takes many different turns that the movie does not, and I really really liked the novel a lot when I read it, Um, and the movie sort of like cuts out a bunch, but it's it's scary, and I kind of like the idea of like plant horror, right? Mm -hmm. It's maybe
0: why I like Little Shop of Horror so much. But I love anything that's transportive um, and a little bit out there. I just love sci fi. I love fantasy. I love things that kind of give you a hint of so much history and the ruins is like a, a good example of that because there's so much more to the story that's just under the surface they never really explain but it's all there you know same mm-hmm. reason I like you know Stargate or something because there's like a lot of like ancient history involved and like you, it's never quite really explained and the ruins is is, um, is a good example of that because they're just sitting on top of this this history and they don't know why or what use this thing had and or what role this thing Thank you played in whatever sacrificial rituals were, were happening at the top of this pyramid.
1: And it almost doesn't matter,
0: right? Like like, like
1: you said, you know, and so like we have these plants that that will eat people and can do really strange things like you know, recreate sounds and in the novel, recreate voices, right? And they start to play the characters off against each other. I mean, so like it, it really takes interesting turns in the book. And I wish the movie would have done something very similar. And I think this is part of the reason why I moved it. At any rate, it's it's a really good movie and i think you know go check it out it's squarely a vacation horror movie and it just shows you how quickly things can go wrong if you you know deter from the tourist area right (laughs) uh number six on my list is a classic it's the evil dead from 1981 directed by sam Raimi. yep and in this movie we have a group of friends who have traveled to a cabin in the woods and they find a book, they read from it, and they, you know, unleash all these demons that can possess them and objects around them. And I mean like their entire vacation doesn't even last that long before shit hits the fan, honestly. Yeah.
0: And we're not including Evil Dead 2 here because it's less of a vacation and more of a romantic getaway, correct?
1: Yeah. So in the sequel, it's really just him and his girlfriend going away. But in, in the Evil Dead 2, the original there's like four friends and they
0: each have to like deal with you know the occurrences that happen in the movie yeah so this is a classic you have to absolutely see this if you haven't already please go do so you're missing out
1: for real i mean evil dead is a classic i've seen this movie many many times it's like really quite frankly terrifying in lots of places and funny (laughs) it's so funny I mean, the Damn sequel's me. a lot funnier, yeah. but there are some moments in the original Evil Dead that I find really, really frightening and terrifying, Yeah, especially involving the angry molesting tree, you know? so. <laughs> and speaking of angry molesting trees, my number five movie is also a Cabin in the Woods movie, and that is The Cabin in the Woods from 2011, <laughs> directed by Drew Goddard. Yeah. So we have talked about this movie at length in a recent episode in April, so... um go check that out listen to us fawn all over it because chris and i both really loved this movie um i put it squarely in the middle of my list because i mean it is a vacation movie they don't really talk about the vacation aspect of it all too much except they're all traveling there's an rv involved right so clearly they're going somewhere and i mean the point of this movie really wasn't about the vacation but about the place they went to Mm -hmm. right so similar to the ruins i guess uh, moving on to number four is a dual entry. And this is the movie Piranha, both from nineteen seventy-eight directed by Joe Dante, and two thousand and ten directed by Alexandra
0: Aja. And that would be Piranha three D, right?
1: Um, I think it was called Piranha and then Piranha, and then they made another one called Piranha 3D, oh, Three D. Or three Double D. Yeah. So there's, there's many entries into this particular franchise.
0: The 2010 one, is that the version where the, the girl gets her hair caught in the... Yes. This is the one that has Elizabeth's shoe. Yeah. Yeah. That was 3D. d Um, I guess the sequel to that one would have been 3DD, right? And, uh, yeah, I have not seen the original 1978 and I have not even seen James Cameron's Piranha 2, where he didn't have any kind of creative control, but that was the first movie he ever did. The spawning.
1: But, yeah, the spawning. <laughs> the spawning.
0: <laughs> but 2010's version is the only one I've seen. And I had to like show that one to people. This is so wacky. Um, but it does have one fairly horrific crowd scene where all of like hundreds of extras are having to just run book it from the water because there's so many piranha out there and you see some real sights of horror and it gets so over the top and more and more over the top that it just starts to be funny so <laughs> It's a good group watch.
1: Yeah, for real. I mean, like, I, there's there's nothing better than, like, having a couple drinks and watching Aja's version of Piranha. Because, like, you laugh, you're grossed out in a way that Aja can do. Like, his movies are very yeah. gory. And, uh, I mean, like, this man came from the French extremity movement and horror. And so, like, his movies are always going to have tons of violence and gore in it. But there's something really special about Joe Dante's version of Piranha. So, I mean, and, like... The the remake is more of a vacation movie. It takes place in spring break, right? And people are flocking to this like lake town. Um, Joe Dante's nineteen seventy eight version. I included it in vacation horror because a large chunk of it has to do with kids going to summer camp. And for some kids, that's like the biggest vacation they get all summer long is going to spend a week or two weeks at summer camp. And we we are you know treated to scenes where people small children at summer camp are getting like ravaged by piranhas. Right. Mm. And Joe Dante is no stranger to like comedic horror too. I mean, he did things like the burbs. And um, so, I mean, like he, he always has, you know, a a wink and a nod to some of his horror, but they're both very good movies. I think if you're looking for something a little bit more fun, I would go watch the remake version, but definitely (laughs) as far as classics go, you need to check out Joe Dante's piranha.
0: Now, what is your favorite Joe Dante movie? What would you say is Dante's peak?
1: <laughs> I really like the burbs, actually. Okay. Very, very much. So, But he also did The Howling, which I think mm. we're going to be covering pretty soon. So, yeah. I mean, Joe Dante is a fantastic director. I don't think he gets talked about enough. I think a lot of people spend time talking about, like, Craven and Carpenter, and they miss people like Dante. And so, like, go watch Piranha. It's a good place to start. It's a Roger Corman production, so you know it's going to be awfully good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What's your number three? My number three movie is also a dual entry. It is The Hills Have Eyes from 1977, directed by Wes Craven, and the 2006 remake, also directed by
0: Alexandra Aja. So yet again, this is something that I have not seen the original. Woe to me. But I have seen the remake, and it was one of the most horrific things. I've, as far as like one particular scene, there's a, there's a burning scene that is just absolutely horrific well, that's seared quite almost literally seared into my into my brain and uh the rest of the movie is kind of trash but that scene is horrific
1: i like the remake right i don't like it as much as the original i think that this is wes craven's second movie after he did the last house on the left and they sort of wanted to do something that was equally as jarring as that particular movie and um he didn't disappoint. I mean, like the original Hills Have Eyes is a very violent, very scary movie. It's all about a a family who's traveling from the Midwest to California and they don't take the advice of somebody on the main road and they deter and they take this sort of like detour through the Nevada desert where they, you know, get stranded and they're attacked by this like cannibalistic savage family. Yeah.
0: See, and that's something that I never got into, like the Texas chainsaw massacre, a lot of these other ones. It's like, for me personally like if i want to go see like backwards inbred trashy white people i'll just go to my local walmart you know like (laughs) it's not something i enjoy seeing i don't know but maybe I'll, I'll warm up to it as we get through this. Uh, as we get through our podcast deep dives, maybe I'll I'll warm up to it as we uh, cover some of these movies.
1: I mean, to be fair, like I, I have seen the Craven version many times. I've seen the Aja version only once because he really ramps up the violence and gore. And I appreciate that from him as a director. But like, but sometimes the violence can be way, way too much. Right. And I think that he sort of maybe crosses the line in this particular movie because I, I walked out of it. I saw it in the theater and I felt kind of nauseous. Right? Yeah. It was just that kind of violent, you know? Uh, Cravens is a little more subtle, but but still very violent and very shocking. And I, he, he got the idea from the story based on real life. So there's like a Swanee Bean person and from like the UK, like way, way back in history before the Renaissance, who used to be like you know, members of society and they sort of went off to live in the hills and became cannibals and thieves and savages, right? And so he's sort of like playing on that. But these people like sort of like fall into this area because they're on vacation. They're traveling th- with, with RVs. They get stuck in the desert and they're prey to these people. And it's just like it's frightening. There's, there's scenes in both movies that, you know, are also seared into my brain, like a crucifixion in the first one of all things, right? So I mean like I I recommend these movies to watch because I think like it's it's classic horror from Craven and I I like the idea of like revisiting, especially since we can see that Aja has made two different remakes from classic horror directors, right? Both in sort of the vacation horror area. But yeah, I mean like go watch them, just like with a grain of salt, like take the advice. If you if you're not into a lot of gore and violence, then definitely you might want to stay clear of these yeah
0: and i usually i'm perfectly fine with it but the camera lingers in some moments here where they make it just super realistic and it's not fun anymore <laughs> you know yeah and it shouldn't some horror shouldn't be fun you know midsummer is a perfect example of that but the camera and the camera lingers but it doesn't linger like that mm-hmm. you know and so there's parts of the hills Have eyes that are just like you said i was nauseous
1: If you've seen these movies, you know, I'd kind of like to know what you think about them, especially if you're doing comparison, you know, so, you know, reach out to us and let us know about that. But uh, let me move on to my number two movie. We're getting close to the end. Uh, My number two movie was originally number seven on my list, but I rewatched it for the first time maybe in like more than 10 years and just remembered how much I loved it and how good of a movie it really is. And this is the movie Joyride from 2001 directed by John Dahl. This movie has... Uh, Steve Zahn, and Paul Walker, and Lily Sobieski, and the voice of Ted Levine, who is Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs.
0: And also the remake of The Hills Have Eyes.
1: Right, yes. And uh, it's about um, a guy who is traveling to pick up a girl he likes from college to start their summer break. He stops on the way to pick up his fuck-up brother, and they pull a prank on a trucker because they have a CB radio in their car, and the trucker takes... A lot of offense to this so much that he kills people and he comes after them hardcore. And this movie is funny. It's scary. It is very like 2000s, you know, like on the cusp of being a 1990s movie, but not quite. It's a little bit, you know, more advanced than that. If you want to say something. But uh, it's just a really fun movie. It has like some aspects of noir in it, which I think John Dahl does very well. He did movies like The Last Seduction in the 90s, which were just amazing. And the performances are good. And it's just a really fun movie. And I think a lot of people have forgotten about it, like I did, really, until I started making this list. So I think that people need to go and watch it for sure.
0: I've never seen it, but it just reminds me that you still need to see the remake of the hitcher.
1: Yes, there's a lot of the hitcher in this movie too, you know? So I mean like it's it's not the most original film, you know. I can't even say that they're paying homage because I think some things are like directly ripped off. I mean we can't forget about Spielberg's duel, you know? Mm. And so, I mean, but it's it's a good movie. I think that you would enjoy it, actually. Okay. I'm really curious to think to, to know what you think about it. Sure. Okay. So, the number one movie on my top ten favorite vacation horror films is something that I've talked about on the podcast before, liking, especially during our Cabin Fever episode, and that is the movie Hostel. Wait. What?
0: Close your ears, J.W. Ford. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't want to get another one-star review, but my god, Hostel, from 2005, directed by Eli Roth, in my opinion, is the best vacation horror movie ever made.
0: Interesting. So why did you choose to make this one a double, uh, Hostel and Hostel 2? Because I I like the fact that if you play them back-to-back, it almost plays like one long movie.
1: It does. And solely for the fact that I just, I like Hostel better than I like Hostel 2. And I think only because I've only seen Hostel 2 maybe two times. Like I saw it in the theater and I saw it was first released onto DVD. And then I just haven't seen it since then. And I've been meaning to because I really enjoy Hostel so much. Something happened when I watched Hostel for the first time in the theater. Like I I didn't even know what it was about. Mm -hmm. It was playing down the street from my apartment in New York. And I was like, oh, a horror movie, I'm just going to walk down the street and see it. I saw it in the middle of the day, opening the opening Friday, and I left that theater a changed person. It really changed the way that I felt about horror. It changed the way that I felt about, like, violence in movies. It it made me think about America post-9-11. It made me think about, you know, the way that people view Americans, you know across the pond and things like that. I think this is just a fantastic movie that a lot of people sort of write off as being torture porn, and it's just a really good, deep horror movie that I think people should, you know, reexamine and talk about a little bit more. Also, as from a vacation standpoint, it's really terrifying to think yeah. that you could just like travel to a place and they decided to visit this city because of like hot girls, right? And look at the situation they ended up in. I mean it's it's shocking. It's scary. It's violent. It's funny. There's some hot guys in it. I mean like it just really is a very good movie.
0: Now, I do have to mention that, of course, I, I, having kind of lived in Europe and um, stayed at hostels when I traveled to Europe, much like the one they were in, a couple of the ones they were in, um, it kind of triggered me a little bit too, but. I do have to say that some of the violence in this is right up there with, you know, the Hills Have Eyes remake, if not worse. Yet again, there's another burning scene that is just absolutely horrific where the the camera does linger and it's not funny anymore in some of those scenes. And some people really will be nauseous and if not faint or throw up, you know, so if that's just not something that you're comfortable with then don't see it. You know.
1: And that's true. You know, I mean so like they you know, movies that are considered quote unquote torture porn, right? Also stem from this new French extremity movement and horror, which which I like very much, but these movies are very, very violently graphic, very gory. And I mean, but they all have their message to it, right? But if, if you just if if it's not something you like to see, if extreme violence is not, you know, your cup of tea and horror, then yeah, you need to completely stay away from this one. And, you know, some other movies that Eli Roth has made or movies that sort of like came after this one, things like mm-hmm. Hills Have Eyes, right?
0: Yeah, people often say hostile was the was the movie that started the the quote unquote torture porn genre, right? Which is, they'd never intended to make, and I'm not sure Eli Roth would ever be proud of that term because it was some reviewer that came up with that. Right. You know, but, um, you know, just keep that in mind as you as you think about watching that if you haven't seen it.
1: And I know that, I mean, like horror movies when they're made are a product of their time, right? Like directors and writers write movies, they make these movies and they, they have something to say about, you know, hopefully what's going on in, in America or the world and they want to have, you know, their voice heard. And I think that sometimes you have to like peel back the layers in a horror movie to find like the message they're trying to say. And I sometimes people, you know say no this movie's not not good because it's so violent without trying to like find the message behind it right? yeah or maybe i'm just like you know on a soapbox about that entire thing but i i really don't like it when people say you know i'm not going to watch this movie just because a term that a reviewer made you know
0: does that make sense you know sure it's easy to get on board with you know people. When they say they hate torture porn because who the fuck would want to be on board with the term, like, torture porn, you know? So forgetting terms like that that were kind of invented in one person's mind, you know, I think every movie should probably be judged, you know, by its own merits, just like people or books or things like that. So. Whatever That said, this whole list, I think you're you're all, a lot of you are probably thinking about the movies where travel is involved or staying somewhere else outside of home is involved. Like Get Out comes to mind. But, you know, those don't necessarily line up with this because those aren't, you know, that's kind of a meet the parents situation rather than like right. a vacation situation. So a lot of those movies that you probably thought of are kind of adjacent to this, but didn't necessarily make the list just because of context. So let's keep that in mind. That said, I do have some special mentions. Good. I'd like to know. So I was uh I saw that you included Cabin in the Woods but you did not include Eli Roth's Cabin Fever. Uh
1: yeah and I I think it just boiled down to uh, I don't even know I can't say that I like that movie more or less than some of the ones that are on my list, right? I just don't really think about that movie as a vacation movie, even though it clearly is, right? Just as much as Cabin in the Woods is, at least. I know. I mean, so, like, in hindsight, I might have put those two, like, side by side on number five. I already had two two items after that that were, like, two different movies, right? Mm -hmm. So it would have fit right in. But, I mean, you're right. It is a vacation movie. And, I mean... I think that we both like it very much and we talked about it. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's in hindsight, it's probably needs to be on my list for sure. What about deliverance? I also like deliverance very much and it is a vacation movie, you know, sort of like guys going off in the woods together to, you know, canoe the river and being sort of attacked by um, the locals there and being faced with like nature and things like that. Tons of adversity in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, to me though, like I was trying to pick things that were very definitely horror movies. And that one is very, very, very horror adjacent, right? Okay. I would put it under the horror umbrella for sure, but with that adjacency caveat, always. Okay. So So that said, what about the descent? Also a vacation movie, right? A group of friends going on a trip and going splunking into that deadly cave, right?
0: Have you still not seen that or
1: no, I've seen the descent. I okay. saw the descent when it came out. Oh, okay. I think we talked about that before the yeah, there the podcast. Was something, some,
0: something else that you may not have seen that I was surprised. I've never by. seen the descent too. Okay. So that was actually rated highly too. But I you know, if I were making a list, you know, I, I can't really debate much with your list. I think it's pretty, you know, pretty spot on. But I would definitely put the Descent pretty high on that list if I were making it.
1: I like the descent. And talking about like how hostile affected me, the descent also affected me. I didn't see it until I could see it at home. So it was after its DVD release. And that movie is claustrophobic and terrifying. And not just because of the monsters. I think the way that some of those friends treat each other is very horrifying. And I think that movie affected me so much that I've only seen it the one time.
0: Well, I feel like The Descent also kind of spawned some other things in a way i almost wonder if quarantine was kind of or wreck was kind of uh, inspired by it because like you see a lot of those reveals where you have to have that night vision thing going on and you know as soon as you're talking with all these people and as soon as you turn that night vision on you realize that you're being watched and you see the things that are watching you and that was the first time i would really seen a reveal like that and it got me and uh, i remember being in the theater and you know and everyone just levitating at once when that happened and uh it was just a really good theater experience and it's also a movie that can be studied for its feminist aspects you know and for other things as well but uh you know and just because it was so influential and just because it was kind of a precedent for being an all-female cast and and done so well um and being so visceral that's why i would i would rate it very highly on a list like this
1: and I mean, I agree with you. I think that it's it's a, a great movie and I've, I've oftentimes wanted to revisit it and watch it again. Since we started this podcast, I sort of assumed that The Descent would somehow work its way into one of our deep dive episodes, right? So I'm sort of like saving it a yeah. little bit. But I mean, I know that there are some things that I missed just because I was so affected by watching that movie at the time. It really, really scared me. And I mean, it's just like, sometimes you watch movies like that, that scare you so much that you're just like not looking forward to watching it again. I enjoy being scared, but I have to like, I have to draw a line somewhere, you know? I would
0: love for you to watch that movie again and kind of see it through your modern lens of how you look at horror movies now.
1: So maybe that's going to be on the docket sometime soon. I think that's a good addition, right? I think we have a lot of things to say about its feminist aspects. And so, I mean,
0: it'd be a good thing to revisit. Yeah. So let's talk about Jaws. I don't consider Jaws a vacation movie. So I feel like it's there's a little bit of room for discussion there, just because Jaws is so famous, and obviously, everyone that's going there is on vacation for the most part. Right. Like right, this is this is the like Martha's Vineyard or the Capes or whatever. Um, you know, in the Northeast, weirdly, um, as a beach vacation movie, and that's where Jaws was supposed to to take place, really. I think, and um, I, I would say most of the victims were on vacation, but the main characters are not, and so that's why I would hesitate to put it on a list like this because the main, the thing that it centers around is the characters kind of live there, are there, have their vacations there, and vocations not vacations, <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, and that and that's exactly why I didn't put it on this list. I know that like the 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 whole point of the movie, especially from that mayor's standpoint was that he wanted people to come back to the beaches right to not stop tourism and know that vacation is a huge aspect of that movie but to me the main characters the central characters are not on vacation they live there year round right you know the only person that I would consider to be a main character that traveled to there is Richard Dreyfus, right yeah so I mean that's the only reason why I wouldn't put
0: on this list and I I, I just don't really think of it as a vacation horror movie yeah, and I had the faith that you had the the correct choices for this lesson, still do. And speaking of faith, what about Eliza Dushku's wrong turn? <laughs> Again,
1: so like I love wrong turn I think we've talked about this on the podcast before at least in other top tens this is a movie that came out right around the same time as the dawn of the dead remake that I just also really loved and I saw several times in the theater not to mention I love Eliza Dushku but I just don't consider it a vacation movie Mm. I mean so like I know that some of the characters are on vacation like a hiking camping trip but like that main male character he's just like on his way to a job interview
0: yeah and let's face it I love Eliza Dushku too and it was a well made film but at the end of the day, it's kind of a middle of the road film to me. Yeah, I just couldn't not mention it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know because you kept saying wrong turn throughout the entire episode so far, and I was like, I see what you're doing. You know, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I I think that I like this movie because I saw it so many times in the theater, and maybe I have like a raging nostalgia boner for it. You know, <laughs> I've never seen any of the sequels. Have you?
0: No. <laughs> If they didn't star Lizzie I wasn't going to see it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw that first movie like many, many times. You yeah. Know, it's just it's, I have it on DVD
0: good. or had it on DVD at some point. I think
1: I have it on DVD and I bought it like a, a VOD purchase because I didn't want to get up and look for my <laughs> DVD. You know, I'm doing that more and more often. <laughs> <laughs> I don't consider it lazy. Eh, it's only it's $1.99. <laughs> like, it's a backup copy. You never know what's going to happen with my physical copy. So, I yeah. mean, it's all right. What else you got?
0: That's it. That's, that's all my uh, – I just had five. Uh, for year 10, but I just uh, just want to know what you where you placed them and why you didn't include them, and you gave some very good answers, so thank you very much. But I think that you gave a incredible top 10 horror vacations for us, so thank you.
1: Well, thank you, and your choices, I mean, are also good, and some things that I had thought about putting on the list and some that I hadn't thought about putting on the list, but I can see why you would choose them or ask about them. And, you know, I think there are more vacation horror movies that obviously we didn't talk about, and, you know, if you know of some that you love or have seen many times or you want to add into the conversation, you should do so on social media at The Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram.
0: Well, guys, I think that about wraps up our top 10 vacation horror movie episode. Like Robert said, please share your picks with us via social media. And of course, you can also email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. And like our
1: other top 10 episodes, Chris is very kindly going to put these choices on a letterbox list. So Mm -hmm. head over to Letterboxd, search for the Film Flamers and check those out.
0: Tune in next week for our deep dive on Psycho Beach Party. That's right. So, uh,
1: talking about some gay horror adjacency on the beach it just really fits in with the month of June um, and you could also get that episode a little early if you head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers we can find all of our bonus content
0: and like I said get early access to some episodes for as little as two dollars also we have a new survey that we're sending out to our listeners to let us know how we can be a little bit better or how you listen to our podcast so please check that out in the show notes it's completely anonymous Just click that link, take the survey, takes less than a minute, and you're good to go. And that would help us out a bunch.
1: That's right. We really appreciate your opinions. And you can make yourself heard in a very anonymous way. And we're looking for ways to improve our show. So go out there and and do that survey. Do it. (laughs) Do it. Just do it. Well, Chris, I hope that you're planning a vacation to come and see me down in Texas as soon as it's safe, right? I promise to not make it horrific at all.
0: Well, actually, in a few weeks, I'm going on a Northeast vacation to go up into Maine and, you know, uh, hopefully I don't take a a wrong turn anywhere on the way. (laughs) Just stay away from Amity. Sharks. Well, I'm going to be going through Salem. I'm going to be going through (laughs) Native American...
1: <laughs> oh my god, watch out for Wendigo's. Well guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope if you're not going on vacations, it gives you a little something to, to think about anyway. And until next week's episode. Sweet
0: dreams. <laughs> Somewhere you're gonna just- turn. <laughs> <laughs> After we I listen to this episode and go through and count all the times that you said that. <laughs> I feel like only one of them was on purpose, but I think every other time I said it was just incidental. I don't know. <laughs> it's
1: subconscious? It's like, did I, did I You're say that? Am little... wrong turn somewhere?
0: <laughs> all right, I'm we'll gonna stop.